It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to all your favorite podcasts. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. To participate in next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag, either at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts and I typically will start off our Friday shows by giving some final thoughts on the game. I don't really have any final thoughts. It's been a long week. We've all been pretty wiped by the situation gone here in Carolina. You know the numbers. Matt Rule's 10-25, and 25, one of the worst win percentages for an NFL coach through 35 games in the history of the league. The Panthers have lost nine straight games dating back to a season ago. They have not won a home game since they faced off against the New Orleans Saints over a year ago in week two of the season. That is way too long. It has been trying times for a lot of Carolina Panther fans. I still encourage you. There you go. To breathe. Take a deep breath. Calm down. Have a drink if you need to. Go on a long walk. Get outside. Get some air. Do anything but act crazy online. Don't lose your job because the things that you said about the Panthers team, especially about Matt Rule, it ain't that deep, folks. But I appreciate your passion because without your passion, then what I'm doing here, our conversations, they don't even exist. So I appreciate all of that. Just, you know, let's use our uh, our heads. So um, I'm not going to give a whole rundown as far as my thoughts going in the game. Other than that, the Carolina Panthers really need to win. And uh, TJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey need to be involved. Like, find an offensive identity. I thought that was a really good week of shows. Of Ross yesterday on the crossover Thursdays. Jonathan Stewart was so kind to join us on the show. And I just appreciate a lot of you guys. Uh, not a lot of you. All of you guys who have listened to the show, watched the show, whatever. So let me just go ahead and answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here. And then we can move on to the rest of our weekend. And hopefully a win on Sunday. Uh, let's go to Brian to start off. Brian said, on Wednesday's podcast, you and Jonathan Stewart talked about Sunday's loss coming down to a lack of execution by multiple players on multiple plays. Even Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore were out of position on a few plays throughout the game. It just wasn't as obvious because they weren't critical-game-changing plays. When, is it, when, it, when it's that widespread, 
Does that still come down to the individual player's execution, or is it a lack of overall preparation and discipline that comes from the preparation the coaches provide during the week? What can the coaching staff and players do to fix that and establish an identity like Jonathan spoke about? Well, the lack of execution started on the opening kickoff when Chuba Hubbard fumbled. How they can fix that, do not have Chuba Hubbard on kick return anymore. They just signed Khalil Herbert, or not Khalil Herbert, that's the other Virginia Tech running back. They signed Raheem Blackshear um, to be here in Carolina as a kick returner. I imagine that he'll be returning kicks, and Chuba Hubbard will not be doing that moving forward. Now, the only way they can prevent Chuba Hubbard from fumbling is not putting him in that situation. But still, Chuba Hubbard, when given the opportunity, cannot fumble. That's on him. Frankie Louvu dropping a potential pick six. Not sure how the coaches can fix that. Frankie was really good on Sunday outside of that. Ten tackles, all of them solo, four tackles for loss. How do they fix Frankie Louvu doing that? Not quite sure. He said he'd hit the jugs machine. I saw Vashti Hurt of Carolina Blitz followed up on Wednesday, asked him if he did, and he did. Not much on the coaching staff. How can they fix Matt Ioannidis jumping offsides and rewarding the, uh, rewarding the uh, New York Giants with a first down when time's expiring? Not quite sure how they can fix that other than binging him. Who are they going to put in there that's better? Spray Van Roy's out for the season. Well, not out for the season, but he's out for a while with the hamstring injury. So I don't really see how that can be on coaching. Now, you can certainly look at the situation and wonder if they're prepared because the way that they perform offensively leads you to believe that they're not prepared to go out there and execute at a high level. Well, why is that? Well, Baker Mayfield didn't get here until training camp, and when he was here in training camp, Baker Mayfield was not the starting quarterback until the third week of the preseason. He's only had about four weeks as the number one guy with the number one offense, and they've had players like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson who spent time in and out of the lineup throughout the entirety of training camp in the preseason. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it falls on the coaching staff to get these guys prepared. But the players got to make plays, man. And Jonathan Stewart said it. Like, it's yeah, the coach's got to put him in position, but when you're in position, you got to execute. And there's a lot of guys out there, like you said, are either nervous or don't know what they're doing, but they got to figure it out because they have not done that through the first two weeks of the season, a lot of players um, on this Panthers roster. Now over to Mark who asks, why does everyone think the Panthers are going to be a playoff team this season? It took two years to rebuild the D. Why do people think the O can be remade in one? If they wanted to win this year, Aquanu would not be learning on the job. The front seven on the D would have been fortified. Baker would have been signed before OTAs, and we would have a pass-catching tight end. Looks like a developmental year shooting for a top draft pick to get a quarterback of the future. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I do think they're trying to win. I mean, they drafted Iki Aquanu, sixth overall, two start. That's what they that's what they did. They went out to fix the offensive line, and I they've done that in an offseason. Austin Corbett, he's been solid so far. Pat Elfline, we'll see how long he's gonna be the starting center, but he's out there playing good football for the most part. Brady Christensen, who y'all were begging last year to go out there and play, he's been playing. Iki Kwanu, he's gonna have his ups and downs. But he's gotta play at some point in time. You might as well just go ahead and get him out there because he's your best option at left tackle. Or he's going to be down the road. Is he today? Maybe not. But either way, you want him to get those live bullets. So last offseason, they wanted to find more guys defensively to come in and help this team. And it took them, like they spent all seven of their, or their picks in 2020 on defense. Like they spent a lot of the capital on getting that defense fixed because they had such a turnover of players following the 2019 season and when Matt Rule took over in January 2020. That's why 
it took him so long with the defense. Offensively, like McCaffrey hasn't been healthy. Like pass catching tight end, we completely overrate how important that really is to this offense. Like they need to play more wide receivers. They have plenty of guys who can catch the football, including Christian McCaffrey. I would rather have Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson touch the ball than if they had a pass catching tight end. Like it's I don't think it's that big of a deal. And for me, I thought looking at the why I thought the they were gonna make the playoffs was the third year of the system. You got a defense that was top two in total defense last year. They can get better in the red zone, which they already have so far this season, but they just got to get takeaways. They have a lot of good players defensively, like Brian Burns, like J.C. Horn, like Shaq Thompson, like Jeremy Chin. They have a solid foundation defensively. Offensively, you bring in a better quarterback in Baker Mayfield than Sam Darnold. I understand Sam started off 3-0 last year. We all know Baker Mayfield is a better option than Sam Darnold. Christian McCaffrey's back healthy. You have DJ. Robbie bounces back, hopefully. The offensive line's fixed. Like, Special teams-wise, you're bringing a former All-Pro and Johnny Hecker, an All-Pro and Andrew Roberts who got injured, and you had a good kicker in Zane Gonzalez. And so far, Eddie Pinheiro's come in and done his job. That's why I thought that would be the case. Like, I don't think the offense needed to be completely overhauled like when Rat Rule got here where they had to overhaul the defense. That's why it took them two years to remake the defense. In the NFL, you can sign players. You have the draft. You can fix a side of the ball in one offseason. It just has not happened yet because they took so long to get all the pieces in place offensively. So that's at least why I thought they were going to be a playoff team. And you can look at the coach and think, okay, why? Well, you didn't even mention the coach. You really just mentioned the players. I just – I don't really know what – what else. I, that's, I don't know. That's just my thought there, Mark. Uh, the right way to go about it probably was to be skeptical of whether this team could actually – win 10 games or win nine games, whatever it is. The thought was you need to believe – I will believe it when I see it. That should have probably been the way I went about it. I know there's a lot of Panther fans that went about it that way. I It's certainly not an everyone situation because I know plenty of people who did not think this team was going to be a playoff team this year, and I think the vast majority of people I've spoken to were feeling that way and out there in the media as well. Oh, and he decides to double dip, saying sorry for double dipping, but have the Panthers coaches watched Chuba Hubbard play football in the last two seasons? If so, perhaps they would have noticed he does not have good hands. He cannot catch nor hold on to the football. Not sure why he's on the team. In the future, it would be they would be well advised to not let the coach's wife make the draft picks. I don't think that would be a concern moving forward. Uh, we got Scott. Scott says, do you think this bitterness from Panther fans, and he puts that in quotes, by the way, uh, towards the coaches and owners is because a lot of them only got on board in 2015. I get the feeling all the fans know is winning football, and over our history, that was not the case for the majority of the time. Don't get me wrong. I want a winning franchise, but I all, but I wanted a winning franchise too, but I've always stayed loyal to the Panthers, win or lose. I think the 2015 run to the Super Bowl and Division Championships have brought in some fans of other losing teams that wanted to be with a winner. What is your opinion? You do a great job covering our team. Thanks, keep pounding. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I'm not going to say you're a gatekeep when it comes to the fans. Uh, it's This is the 28th season of Carolina Panthers football. The Panthers have been to two Super Bowls in the previous 27 seasons. They've been to the playoffs and let's see, what years have they been to the playoffs? They've been in the playoffs in 96, 03, 05, 04, 13, 14, 15, and 17. So eight times in 27 seasons. That's not really winning football, if we're being honest with ourselves. Eight out of 27 seasons have gone to the playoffs. That's not even half. Like, that's not that's, – that's the definition of mediocrity. Like, they've had years where the Panthers are good. They're good. They've been to four NFC title games in 96 – in 05, of course in 03, and of course in 15. They've had good years. So I don't really look at it as people just randomly jumped on in 2015. I'm sure there's plenty of people who jumped in on 2015. By that point, they were late. 
because all they've gotten is 15 and they got 17. Like they haven't gotten a bunch of winning uh, seasons. I, if, to me, it might just be here in Charlotte with the Hornets and Panthers. Hornets came in 88. They've never played in the conference finals, let alone been even in the NBA finals. They have never won a seven-game series in the playoffs. That's terrible. The Panthers have been on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl back in 03. They should have played a lot better in 15, but they didn't. Like They have at least been close to having their hands on a Lombardi and there being a parade down Tryon Street in Uptown Charlotte. To me, it's probably people just getting sick and tired of the up-and-down nature. And it's not even up-and-down nature at this point in time. It's just bad football. It's four straight losing seasons. I think people are just sick of it. I'm certainly sick of it, and especially when you hear an owner talk about, hey, we want to have sustained success. And he talks about, you know, sometimes you have to have short-term suffering for, you know, 20 years of sustained success. And if that's the case, like, will people, you know, accept that? And he said they better. Well, I guess that's what we're going through right now. We're just waiting for the sustained success to come around. And that has not happened at this point in time. So that's why I think people are, are really upset about it because they've waited a long time for the Panthers to show some semblance of consistency. They've never had back-to-back winning seasons over a course of 27 seasons. That's embarrassing, dude. Like that it should not be that hard to get that done. And when they're going into, when they're going when they're going 7-8 and 1 in uh, so when in 2013 when they go in 12 and 4, they're being 7-8 and 1. They still made the playoffs with 7-8 and 1. That's not good. They won a playoff game too. So kudos to them. And in 2015, like they're 15 and 1. That's just a weird thought of you won a division 3 years in a row. But somehow you did not have back-to-back winning seasons at any point during the course of those three seasons. Like that is just so uniquely Carolina Panthers football. So that's why I think people are frustrated because it's been way too long and there's just been a lot of mediocre play, some good years, a few great years. But other than that, eh, just not great, good enough football. So I think that's why people are upset. And I don't know. It might be people who just been around 2015. I don't know if they could have thought that it would always be like that because that's insane if that what their expectations were when they jumped on board back then. Um, Travis, who asked, with how the players are talking about Coach Rule, do you think they are really supporting him or just saying that because they have to? I feel that you have to buy in if you're locker you. I feel that you have to buy in if you're in that locker room. Okay, I really enjoyed the show with Jay Stu yesterday. He's one of my favorite Panthers of all time, and he had some great things to say. Well, thank you, man. And look. I had some people who commented on the whole Jonathan Stewart interview being like, oh, I'm really disappointed by Jay Stu's rhetoric that he would sit there and he wouldn't, you know, bash rule. He has relationships in that locker room. No players can go out there and openly trash the coach. Same thing with the guys who are in that locker room. They're not going to go out there and openly trash Matt Rule and say, yeah, we're not behind him. And a guy like Robbie Anderson, Matt Rule recruited him when he was a high school, when he was a teenager. He played with him at Temple. He came here, Matt Rule paid him. He's gotten generational wealth playing for Matt Rule here in Carolina. So he's not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, I'm not on board with the coach. Like, yeah, the players can be on board. They've been close. They're, and they're not going to quit, obviously. They're professionals. Like, these guys are always trying to be able to get that next paycheck. So I just don't – I'm not surprised by that. Like, of course they're going to be on board with Matt Rule. They've lost two close games. It really ain't his fault that they didn't go out there and execute. It falls on the coach at the end, so then it's on him. Like Jonathan Stewart said, a lot of it, it's on the players, and they got to figure it out. All right, let's take a quick pause here, then I'll come back and answer more of your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on Locked on Panthers. 
Here's the lesson. You don't want to be that guy, and you certainly don't want it to splatter all over the internet. The guys at Brightco Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of that ring. No matter if it's lost, stolen, or you just can't figure out what happened to it, go to bright.co forward slash locked on. It's the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way to cover your butt with the best jewelry insurance in the business. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get back to more of your questions here on this edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag. Uh, Parrish, who asks, given the team being owing to a Matt Rule's job in question, the division is not lost to the Saints not winning and the Bucks looking mortal. Can the team find some wins going forward for them to truly compete? Thanks for the hard work on the podcast, too. Thank you. Um, yeah, dude, if they beat New Orleans on Sunday, the Saints are 1-2, the Panthers are 1-2. If Tampa loses to Green Bay Sunday afternoon, they're 2-1, the Panthers are 1-2, the Saints are 1-2, and, and in Atlanta, who really cares? They would be one game out of first place through the first three weeks of the season. Of course, you don't want to be one and two. I totally get that. I've laid out the numbers of what team to start off 0-2 with their percentage of making the playoffs. The Panthers have only done it one time in franchise history back in 2013 when a lot of things I've heard this week are very similar to what y'all were saying about Ron Rivera at that point in time wanting him fired following that Buffalo Bills game where they started off the season 0-2. So, yeah, they have three straight home games. Like, these are games they got to win. Like, the Cardinals, they got lucky to come back and win that game on the road against the Raiders on Sunday. Like, that's a game they should have lost. They've owned Arizona the last couple seasons. Now, San Francisco, I think they're in a better position. That Trey Lance is out for the season. They have Jimmy Garoppolo in there. We know Jimmy G. If you force him to beat you, he's probably not going to do it. Now, we've seen years in the past, like in 2019, Kyle Shanahan schemed up and made a fool out of Ron Rivera, pantsed him throughout that afternoon in Santa Clara. They have a good offense. They got guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. They, they can make some plays, man. So that's always going to be a good offense. But you get three straight games at home. You got to win these. They start off the season with four or five at home. They have to be able to at least have a three and two. And that's meaning winning three straight games. But when I really looked at it, they need to have, be like three and two. You can't have that many home games. And in a road game against a bad team of the Giants, who we obviously know they lost to, you can't have that many home games to start off your season and not take care of business at Bank of America Stadium. And I get it. The, the first game of the season, Browns wasn't necessarily a home game. All the Browns fans in there. 49ers won't be a home game because the, the faithful is everywhere in this country. I think, yeah, they can get on a little bit. Of, just get a win. Get a win. And just start stacking them. They still believe in Matt Rule. They know they got to do better. They're close, as Rule says. Just win and start stacking them, man. So, yeah, I think they can find a way to compete moving forward. It's not like they're getting blown out. All right, Anthony. He said, if the Panthers win Sunday, how much of any optimism would be appropriate for the rest of the season? I mean, it's just one game. It's a week-to-week league. I've said that before in the past. You got to take it one week at a time. Week one, 
didn't work out well. Last week didn't work out well. It's a brand new week. They always put out there the one and zero kind of deal. That's the mindset that the players have. Maybe that's the mindset some fans would have to adopt. I get you want to always look at the big picture and think about, oh, who you got in November and December and the last couple weeks of the season, all that kind of stuff. You can't get ahead of yourself. There are 15 games left to go. And that's part of in my message. Like, I get you're frustrated. There's way too much of the season left to go. We saw last year they start off 3-0, and how things pan out. Because you're thinking right at the bat that, oh, man, Matt Rule turned things around like Sam Darnold, comeback player of the year, yada, yada, yada. They went 5-12 and because there's a ton of season left to go. They don't hand out playoff spots in the first three weeks. Yes, I know the trends of how you start typically leads to good things. So I'm not ignoring that, but there's, I'm not saying that to be, oh, giddy if they win on Sunday. You should be happy. It's been a long time since they did win a game. But should you think all of a sudden things are fixed? No. But yeah, there should be a level of optimism because they finally figured it out, especially depending on what it looks like. If they blow, blow out the Saints, you should be fired up about that. If they play bad and then find a way, that also could be encouraging because it's like those are games they have not been able to find a way to win. All right, got Matt who asks, who are the bright spots um, on the team this year so far? Well, I mean, through two weeks, I guess Frankie Lupa was a bright spot last week. Brian Burns has been fantastic so far this season. McCaffrey last week looked like the same guy that he's been so far all, throughout his career. I mean, those are Jeremy Chen, Xavier Woods. Those are bright spots. I would say even um, Eddie Pinheiro coming in and making all his kicks so far. Those are bright spots. Uh, Kyle. I know all of us watching or listening love this team, but the amount of stress it causes people is pretty crazy. If it is causing pain or anger, then it's time to take a break because these Twitter GMs get all worked up and rage over things they have no control over. I mean, that's a really good perspective. Yes, it's aggravating, but some people here are taking it to the next level. The question, who are some players that you expected to play better in the first two games that haven't? Um, I guess DJ Moore, but it's not really on him. Like They just got to find a way to get him open and to get the ball to him. I think I maybe expect a little bit out of Baker, but also I didn't know what to expect out of the offense as a whole. So would have loved to have seen Baker play better. I mean, he, he got cooking there late in that Browns game. Uh, other than that, like, I mean, Derek Brown hasn't really been good. I would hope to see more of him. Um, Yeah, I guess that's – I mean, those are probably the names. Like, Icky, not, not about Icky. None of that surprises me. He's a young guy. He's going to figure it out. So, yeah, I mean, I guess those are the guys. Like, Other than that, it's been, I mean, gross mottos. He has not played well so far. I need to see more out of him. So, I guess he would also be uh, part of that list of guys who I would have expected more out of. All right, uh, let's take one more pause here, then I'll come back and answer the rest of your questions here on this weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, a few more questions and we can get out of here. Uh, Johnny. He asked, Baker feels disconnected from the offense, but shows promise. Could these two games plus preseason be his OTA slash mandatory minicamp? Until further notice, he is a numb Panthers fan in Arizona. I mean, I guess. And Ben McAdoo was asked about this on Thursday, just, you know, what he's seen from Baker. And he he talks about how when you enter into a new system in practice, you're going to do a lot of the things that you're asking you to do. But once you go in the game, when live reps are going out there, you're going to revert to kind of how you've done things in the past. And he saw that in week one, but then he saw a more of a shift going into week two in that Giants game with Baker and his footwork and his foundation. His foot, you've seen, like he really hasn't trusted the pocket. He's, he, and he said it after that week one game that it was BS where his feet were at. It's just him growing more comfortable. So, I'm not going to count those first two games in the preseason as his OTAs and many. He's not going to get that time back. And that's why I didn't really know what to expect because he missed so much time that was valuable. So for me, I'm not going to look at it that way. It's going to be a work in progress. The hope is, though, that he can come out and be much better on Sunday against the Saints and that he can continue to gain confidence in the O-line and confidence in Ben McAdoo's system and the things that he's trying to teach him and not revert back to the foundation that he had set prior to coming to Carolina. But again, it takes time for stuff like that. Um, Travis with another Baker question, he asking, instead of all the negativity right now surrounding the team, what would you say needs to be done to fix the offense? Is it a lack of time for the offensive line as Baker is averaging 1.1 second in the pocket? They gave the ball to CMC more week two, but it didn't seem to work properly. I'm not down on this team after two weeks as a lot seemed to be as this offense is still very fresh together. Overall, what's your opinion on where the correction this needs to be outside of, of course, the Matt rule, the Matt, the fire Matt rule crowd. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate your perspective there, Travis, like, this unit has not spent a lot of time together. They haven't. It, it's going to take time. And I hate to say that. It's just the truth. And I know you don't want to hear it, and I don't necessarily want to say it either. But that's just the reality of the situation. With more reps in this offense, in practice, and in games, Baker Mayfield will grow more com- comfortable and confident in what he's seeing and what's in front of him. They have to get DJ more the ball. Whether it's if they want to hand the ball off to DJ Moore, I'm cool with that. Because other than Christian McCaffrey, the only person who should be getting the ball in the backfield is DJ Moore. But they got to find a way to get the ball to him. Christian McCaffrey, whatever it takes, man. I know we sat here and we talked about how many touches should he get. Clearly, what he's been getting the last two weeks ain't nearly enough. Get him as many touches as possible to get this offense going. And Jonathan Stewart was saying this. When I was asking, like, what should their identity be? He talked about Christian. He ain't worried about the low for Christian. He's like, get the dude the ball. He's your best player on offense. Why are we trying to target Shai Smith? Like, wh- why are we targeting Stephon Sullivan? Like, why is Ian Thomas and Giovanni Ritchie touching the ball? Like, let's get the ball to the dudes who can do something with it, who can turn something out of nothing. Like, when Baker fumbles a snap and Christian picks it up and runs it for 29 yards. Like, give guys like him the football. So, yeah, the offensive line's got to do a better job protection, especially Icky. Maybe give him more help on that side of the football. They can't drop the football, Shy Smith included. They need to get more guys involved. Terrace Marshall only has six snaps all season. Frank, um, and then Richard Higgins, who played with Baker, has a relationship with Baker, a rapport with Baker. 
He's played zero snaps. That makes no sense at all. Get him out there. That's how they can fix the offense, by getting more players out there and just really working more together because it's going to take time. And my hope is that will happen this week. All right, Corey. Um, how much can you blame Baker Mayfield for the amount of batted passes? And how much does that fall on our offense line? Do you think this is flexible or is it just how Baker throws? Much love for your neighbor from the north. Uh, thank you, Corey. Corey is uh, from northwest uh, Canada. Or I guess he's in the northwestern part of North America. He's in western Canada. So appreciate you, Corey, for listening to the podcast. Me and Panthers fan from all the way over there. Um, yeah, Baker is just a short guy. And the Browns defensive coordinator, his goal was to keep Baker in the pocket and tell his offensive linemen to get their hands up or the defensive linemen to get their hands up and knock down the ball. We saw from Xavier McKinney, who had two batted passes on Sunday, that he, that was his thought too. It was like, hey, I, I might be rushing. If I can't get there, I'm going to get my arms up. That is just simple things that every defensive lineman or any ru- edge rusher or rusher period is taught to do against a quarterback. Baker being small or smaller – that does not help in that situation. It can also be timing. So maybe Baker's missing on his timing with those throws. It's it's something that's going to happen, and hopefully it doesn't continue to be an issue. Since he's entered the league, no one's had more batted-down passes than Baker Mayfield. It's just a part of who he is as a quarterback and being kind of a smaller guy. Uh, I don't. I'm going to get his name wrong. It's Hode. Uh, she asks, what do you think is more response for the Panthers' turgid offense? Oh, so far this season, got an SAT word there. Um, was it Ben McAdoo, the lack of familiarity, poor execution? Well, it's certainly poor execution. Um, certainly the lack of familiarity, as they've only had about four or five weeks together. And, hey, Dan Orlovsky from ESPN put this out there uh, the other day saying, if I have to watch the Panthers run one more stationary and stagnant route, keep calling quick game from the, from the gun, only have their quarterback get the ball batted down, more mirrored concepts on each side, I'm going to puke. So that lets you know that it's been McAdoo as well. Like It's all three that are going hand-in-hand hand with the Panthers starting off so slowly on offense, at least according to Dan uh, Orlovsky as far as Ben McAdoo and he's doing. And, hey, they haven't spent much time together. It's it's a work in progress. God, I hate saying it. it's a work in progress, but it is a work in progress. Um, Alex, who says Matt Rule should be fired. It's time for a change. That being said, do you think this will be the week that Baker in the offense breaks out? It could save Rule's job. And if there's one thing Panther fans can always count on, it's disappointment. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, well, Alex is someone. He's, he's a friend of mine. He's someone who's certainly lived through it all. Um I, I can't say this is going to be week they break out, man. I really can't. It's I want to say it, but I can't earnestly sit here and be like, yeah, this is the week. I hope it's the week. Saints got a really good defense, so an offense that hasn't been together, hasn't played really well at all outside of the second half of the Browns game. So that's two out of eight quarters. Hard for me to sit here and think that this is going to be the week. Fingers crossed it's the week. I can't sit here and tell you it's going to be the week. All right, two more. We got Tanner. If the Panthers are 0-4 and Baker keeps this level of play, what are the odds we see Sam get a shot, assuming he's back in week five? I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be ready to go by week five. And I don't think the Panthers are going to go to Sam Darnold. Baker is still learning the system. I don't think they're trying to make a change. And a part of the whole competition was, and why they dried it out, Matt Rule said, when we have our guy – 
we want that to be our guy. We're not trying to make a change after a couple of weeks. And that would be a couple of weeks if you call for a couple. I usually say about two or three is a couple. I guess two technically is a couple, but either way. Um, no, I don't think Sam, I, they know who Sam Darnold is. I, I don't think that they're trying to bring back Sam Darnold. And you think the Boo Bird's already bad now. Imagine when Sam Darnold gets tried back out there. Uh, no, I, I'm not concerned about that at all. Um, and then Tanner also asked, what restaurants do you think David Tepper will go to in order to pursue his next short order cook as his head coach? Uh, you got to think Applebee's, um, Hardee's, that's got to be one. Arby's probably, an Iron Skillet, Denny's. Those are probably the top contenders right now for uh, where David Tepper will pursue his next head coach. Appreciate that question there, Tanner. And then one last one coming from Michael. He says, on a change from the Matt Rule negativity, what do you think about the current state of Bank of America Stadium? Do you think we should keep the stadium in the location, just pay for renovations, or do you think we need to look for a place to build a new stadium, and would it be in Charlotte? Yeah, it's not going anywhere. We just – David Tepper is going through a lawsuit down in York County in Rock Hill. He is not going to move the stadium down to South Carolina. No one in that state is going to give him any sort of incentives after what happened with Rock Hill. So he has no choice but to keep it here in North Carolina. You think any of these other smaller counties outside of Charlotte in North Carolina are seeing what ha- – they're broke too. York County ain't got no money. You think that Lincoln County – is going to get played? You think Cabarrus County is going to get played? Iredell, Anson, all whatever county. You think they're going to get Union County? You think they're going to get played by Bladen County? You think they're going to get played by David Tepper? Come on now. No. This, he's always said he wants stadium to be in Charlotte. He wanted to go out through the whole two two states, one team deal, you know, give, you know, give something to Rock Hill, and he wanted to have this palatial facility, yada, yada, yada. He was cheap. He could have paid for his damn self, and he wouldn't even be in his predicament. But, hey, that's why he has all this money, but also why I don't trust this man at all. The worst-kept secret has been if they build a new stadium or when they build a new stadium, it will be over where the current Charlotte Pipe and Foundry location is right on West Moorhead Street. Not very far from the stadium at all. It's probably like, what? Point three miles, point four at, at that. That's where they talk about they would have that. And then they would tear down Bank of America Stadium and then have like an entertainment district. Now, he's also talked about Gateway District being an entertainment district and maybe they could get rid of the, the, the dome, like the, the where the Atrium Health Dome is, the bubble, and the practice fields that they could have used that as a place to put some bars and things like that, tailgating. I, I don't know what the plan is. I personally am totally cool with them keeping Bank of America Stadium. David Tepper said at the pandemic he doesn't want to have a dome stadium. Does that mean he doesn't want to have a retractable roof? I love the idea of Final Four coming here, especially with Duke and Carolina being programs that go to the Final Four fairly often. But that's only going to occur like every 12, 15 years. Is it worth the money? We've already there's always there's plenty of things you can read about how the cities and counties do not nearly profit as much as you think they get in debt they they don't make that much money from it some businesses might do well but as far as a, a whole the city county it's never a good um rep, uh, relationship to get in as far as these public to private situations and david Tepper said he wants he'll pay for a third of it psl's pay for a third city or county will pay for the other third so he'll pay for a third and we'll pay for two-thirds of it no i'm, I'm not cool with that arrowhead stadium is super it's like 50 years that they've had arrowhead stadium out there in kansas city like, they've done their renovations. They've done renovations to Bank of America Stadium. It's not that old of a facility. 
I'm totally fine with it. I have no issues with it. I like that they now have all these events. Like Luke Combs apparently is going to be performing at Bank of America Stadium. They had just had Elton John last Sunday. I think that's great what he's done there. The field turf, I get why he did it. Do I love it as far as the soccer team not playing on a real pitch and then the same thing with football and the injuries that are associated with? No, but I get why he did it. I think Bank of America Stadium is a good facility. The Jumbotron, the escalators, they've added more to it. The soccer team and the new lounges, the field suites. I, I don't really know what more you need in that facility. If anything, do what they did to Hard Rock Stadium down to Miami and how they've really made that place look even better. We have so many beautiful days here in Charlotte throughout the season. I just I don't need a dome stadium. And I damn sure don't want to pay for it. So if David Tepper wants his new stadium, it will be in a Charlotte Pipe and Foundry situa- uh, uh, um, place right now, or their location. And please, hopefully he just pays for it. But as far as Bank of America Stadium, to me, it's just fine. And I'm totally good with that. I don't go there very often anyway, so it doesn't really matter to me. But uh, I don't think they need to make a, build a new stadium. I think it's totally fine as it is right now. All right, um, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, guys, make sure to watch the show, subscribe to the show over on YouTube, Locked On Panthers, that is, on YouTube. And be sure to check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just rate, review, subscribe, so you don't miss a single episode of the show. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, so you can participate in next week's edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag, either at me or DM me on Twitter to participate. In the meantime, I am headed to Chapel Hill, like like now, to uh, go check out Carolina and Notre Dame. Sellout crowd excited for that game on Saturday. Wait, Clemson, if you're headed up there to Winston-Salem, that should be a fun environment as well. College football is really good in the state of North Carolina. Let's all get excited on Saturday. The Sundays might be rough, but I think they're going to win this Sunday. Fingers crossed that happens. So that means I'll probably talk to you all around 6 o'clock Sunday afternoon. So stay safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Sunday following a Panthers win against the Saints. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.